This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, questions, concerns, or comments about... What does cold weather may have done to your flowers, your plants, or anything else? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With questions, comments, concerns, or whatever happens to be in your mind related to plant material. Mr. Kelly. I'm glad you added that related to plant material. (laughs) Uh, Frost on your windshields? Uh, well, actually, I brought the new car today, and it was warmed up for me when I got out there. So Whoa. it was 37 at our place when I got in this morning. So it was a little warmer than I thought it would be. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I, I went ahead. Sue let me take her car today. It was ready to go. <laughs> so I was just shocked to see frost on the windshield. Really? Yeah. It shouldn't it, happen it, in April. I know. <laughs> yeah. What is that? I thought, oh. Did you see the snow yesterday? <laughs> we didn't really have any snow. A few... Really? You know, flakes here and there, but yeah. not much. Yeah, we didn't have much either, but a little bit. And then when I went out to feed the birds yesterday afternoon, something that seemed to be frozen fell from the sky just a little bit, a couple drops or whatever. Oh, but, really? Uh, yeah, it's like, what is this? This is April 8th, man. Come on. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, really. Let's get over this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, great. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. And it is Saturday morning. We can get together and have a discussion about what's going on in your backyard, front, side yards. Uh are you going to create a new garden space? How about those house plants? Is it a little bit too early to move them out? <gasps> it might have been, depending upon where you live. Mine are still inside, getting ready to get them outside, though. And uh, what is potting mix? How to improve your soil? Should you be pruning this time of year on what kind of plants? And uh, hopefully, as we discuss things, my options will help you solidify your uh, final judgment. And that action is going to be up to you. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's over there. He's producing, answering the phone. So when you call, he just needs your first name. I'm Mike Miller, host of the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation, take a walk around. and It's a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the home page, there's an email address and phone number. Today after the show, I'm headed to University City. And, well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. 
at the corner of Virginia and Liberty. There was some nice-looking quince in full flower. There were redbud trees in full flower, a quanton cherry in bloom as well. There was additional trees dotting westward from Virginia and uh, through the lawn area. And then there is a nice-looking granite stone raised wall. And it's not just a wall. It's actually surrounding a whole area in the center, which has all kinds of bed spaces, individual community garden type thing. Along the way, you're going to see some daffodils. You're going to see some raspberry canes. And there's a sign that says Dutchtown Proud. This is Val, V-A-L, Community Garden. And as I said before, numerous individual plots. And as you walk along the sidewalk there, you're going to see a bunch of tulips really starting to open up and looking very nice. And the area a little bit further south, which is connected to this spot, used to be a dog playground area. Well, it's been converted to a, guess what, garden. And it's surrounded by a wrought iron fence. Now it's called Val, V-A-L, Food Pantry Garden. And it's supported by Gateway Greening and Wells Fargo Advisors. And throughout the whole area, you're going to find benches and hoses and sheds and wheelbarrows and everything else. It was just really kind of a great situation and great circumstance. And something I'd never really seen before, there's something called a blessing box. And there was actually like small cartons of milk, like the kind of the size of milk you get when you're in grade school with lunchtime. And there was some like drop some peas, you know, that you could cook. And some other things in there as well. And the sun was really coming out. It was so nice to see it so bright and everything else. And it really said, well, it's time to get going. So that's what I decided to do. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Live and local, this is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 
314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll start off the day going into Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Hi. I have a question about mulch. I've been putting down the bagged wood mulch around my plants, but every year I have to replace it because it looks beautiful when I first put it on, real nice and brown, and then it turns gray and ugly. And then somebody told me, oh, you need to start using rubber mulch. But I heard that rubber mulch can burn your plants when it gets hot in the summer. So what do you think about wood mulch versus rubber mulch? Rubber mulch is crazy. It it does all kinds of adverse things. It may last forever. It may stay black or whatever. But no, don't put that stuff on your plant material. And this is just the reality of the you know, of the circumstance. That's what mulch does. Now, you can get some of the mulches. They're going to be a little bit more expensive that are dyed, and those dyed mulches will hold their color a lot longer than, the let's say, the regular mulch. But uh, for the most part, you're putting it on there for the advantage of the plant material. Not, I mean, the aesthetic is, for you, is part of the game, but really you're doing it for the plant material. So stay away from that rubber stuff. Okay. Well, that's my question then. Uh, so you think the wood bag mulch that's dyed brown is good then? Yeah, well, it's fine. I mean, uh-huh. uh, just it's just, I mean, you can get, uh, you know, dyed mulch, like uh, St. Louis Composting has a couple different colors, so you can change them every few years or whatever you want to do. But they, I, it's just a natural circumstance where it's out there, and even if it's in the shade, there's going to be light coming in, and it's going to cause them to fade, and that's that's what happens. Uh-huh. Okay, well, thank you. I'll stay away from rubber mulch then. Yes, definitely. All right, well, thanks. Sure, thanks, Nancy. And let's go from Nancy's yard over to Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. How you doing? Very good. Morning. I was uh, asking you about some uh, strawberry plants that I bought at Lowe's maybe a couple of weeks when the uh, weather was nice. So I had them outside and stuff. And some of the leaves got little black stuff on it. Can I just pick that off or do you think the strawberry plants is messed up? I know. They're probably fine. If there's only if there's dots or is a, is a whole leaf turned black? Yeah, most of it. The Half whole. Of it. Yeah, just cut those off as long as you still have some new growth coming up out of the center, some new foliage and things like that. They should be fine. Pro- uh, it sounds like they got bruised. They probably because of the cold, and I did cover them up for the first frosting. So, you know, uh, you know, being out there, I just bought them early, and I shouldn't have. You know, <laughs> right. but I I know you be so anxious because you can't wait to get out in the yard. I'm right. a hard. You know, I you just can't wait. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you one more question sure. about what the lady just said about the rubber moss. I have it in my yard, but I don't have it where my flowers is. I got it more of the landscape or where boxwoods or something like that is. So would that hair hurt her? No, no, not at all. But you, the rubber moss you don't put. Your flowers. You don't put rubber mulch around any. Oh, I you, I misunderstood. You don't put rubber mulch around anything. It's a bad circumstance. It there's qualities of it that leaches into the ground that could you know cause some problems for the soil. So that's just even if the people that are selling it say there's no problems with it. Let's. Put, it's just. I mean, it, it's come out a long time ago, and it's never really like. 
been acceptable by, let's say you can't go down to the botanical garden, you can't go to parks, you can't go any place where they're using rubber mulch because it's not good. Oh, okay, because I got some of mine had down by uh, one of my uh, boxwoods, and it's done fine, so I just, I, just, I was going to do the front, but I'll just leave it alone. Yeah. Because it's going to mess up my boxwoods because they ain't been in there for like 10 years, so you have a good day. Thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And anybody else questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over and see what's going on with Jan. Hi, Jan. Hi. Uh, We planted a blueberry shrub bush Mm -hmm. last year, and we're wondering when we would be, could we transplant that now? Should we wait another year? Should we wait till a different time of the year? How come you want to move it? Too close to the house. Oh. Uh, ba- yeah, basically they like a really acidic soil. So consequently, close to the house, that means the alkalinity of your concrete is going to be leaching out there and there's going to be a battle. So wherever you're moving it to, don't put it up close to sidewalks, driveways if they're concrete, foundations or anything like that. And know that that really needs a pretty darn acidic soil to really be successful. So as long as it hasn't leafed out, you can go ahead and, you know, you can move it to a new location. It has leafed out. Oh. It even has some little blossoms on it. Wait until next year, you think? Yeah, wait until uh, the season's over. And, you know, next year you can do it going into fall. I mean, like going into fall. Let's say late August, early September, you can move it at that time because the ground will be warm. And ground warmth in the ground will help the new root system get it established after it's been transplanted. So probably, yeah, I would do it, you know, my tendency would be mid to late August, early September. Okie doke. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. (laughs) And now let's go from Jan's yard over to Stan. Hi, Stan. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Very good. Um, I got a question about my front yard. I, I have a little area that my dogs use quite often, and I put some sod in and some new dirt last year, and it did pretty well, but it didn't come back this year. So I'm kind of wondering if there's anything I can do uh, to help that out. Basically not. I mean, what it is is the, what with the urine, the dog urine has a high nitrogen content, so really the sod or the grass or whatever happens to be there is being burnt by nitrogen. It used to be we always thought it was alkalinity, and that is somewhat of the aspect, but it's been found out that the higher nitrogen content in the dog urine is much more problematic than anything else. And so there's really not too much you can do. I guess maybe I can take them out further in the yard and spread it out more. Well, we live right across the street from Christie Park, and I'll tell you, there's quite a few people that seem to walk their dog. But I know they have yards and stuff. Their dog's probably going in the yard, too. But uh, they bring their dogs over to the park, and the dogs have fun going to the bathroom in the park. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Sure. My pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got phone lines open. And right now, as you go out and you start looking around, you're going to see the cool season annual weeds. They are just absolutely all over the place. They germinated last August, and they have been just taking off. It would be henbit, dead nettle, 
And those are ones, the henbit has like a purplish flower. And if you wonder if, is this henbit or not, just feel the stem. If the stem feels square, then that's what it is. Chickweed is taking off. I mean, just rampant because these are the last, I mean, the plants realize the days are getting you know longer and consequently they're going to be heading downhill. But I mean, the chickweed, the annual bluegrass, the prickly lettuce, the Persian speedwell, which is a very low ground cover weed with small bluish flowers on it. That is just prolific. And, you know, uh, rabbit's foot clover as well and shepherd's purse. So all those cool season annual weeds are just going nuts. It's just, you know, I can't believe how rampant the, the chickweed is getting in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I mean, it's just spreading all over the place. So just realize that if you have those problems in your bed spaces or in your lawn or whatever, there's not too much you can do, certainly right now. I mean, you can dig them up so it maybe you reduce the amount of seeds that's being dropped because you got rid of it. But uh, just if you're really serious about it, Next August, that's when you're going to be putting down a pre-emergent. That's the best control for these cool season annual weeds. Now let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Very good. I just have a general question. I cut down a tree and then got the stump removed, and then I put to, so it can be level with the. So I wonder if, if the grass hasn't grown since I put some hay down. So I'm wondering, any suggestions, what do I do for that section? Do I put side in that area? To be honest with you, because of even if all the grindings or a lot of the grindings and everything have been cleared yeah. out and everything else, there's still Not a really. huge amount of wood content there. And no okay. matter what you do, for a couple of years, you're not going to have successful lawn. It doesn't really matter really? at all. So Really? Yeah. I mean, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but that's the reality of the situation. Whether you put straw down, whether you don't, whether you put sod, whether you put seed, about the only thing that you can do if you want to have, let's say, kind of adequate uh, lawn is just <laughs> every you know, every month or two, just take some, a handful of seed out and throw it over the space, and just that's about all you're going to do. And it's just going to germinate, and it'll be okay until the root system starts getting down into the soil. And again, even new soil that's brought in that has nothing to do with the existing site is going to be contaminated by the wood as it's basically rotting, biodegrading. Oh, I see. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> One last little question with the same question. That's, that's stuff they sell at Lowe's and everywhere else. Guaranteed grass growth is still not going to work nope. because of the wood. <laughs> It'll grow, but it's not going to live you know, consistently. For the long okay. term. I mean, anything that's, you know, to make a statement like that, you you know how plants are here. To to guarantee something is just, it's sort of nuts, I want to say. Yeah, true. But I just have to live with it. I hate that it's in the front yard area. Right. Okay. So, I mean, like I said, Anything you know. With chips. <laughs> it's, it's And then also the tree root system's still there. And even though they ground the stump out, the root system's, you know, it's still, and it's, you know, slowly yeah. but surely it's going to take several years before it biodegrades entirely too. So you're going to have some problems above the root system, even away from where the trunk was. Oh, wow. So if I put side in it, because it'll look good, but it'll just 
die over too. Right. It may, you know, it may look fine for a year or so, but slowly but surely mm-hmm. it's going to head downhill. Yeah. And that's even if you well, fertilize, mm-hmm. even regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, regardless of what you do. Right. Lovely. I wasn't ready to hear that news. <laughs> <laughs> but life is what it is. Yeah, exactly. And it's very tough. <laughs> When it comes Thank to you so much, sir, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. Hi. I uh, want to have a, a question that I probably can't uh, handle or, or I don't understand. I have uh, an old asparagus patch that's doing very well. I've already harvested. But some of them are as big or big around my thumb, and some are really uh, thin stalks. Is there any way I can make everything thin or everything thick? Or? <laughs> no, not really, because, I mean, it's okay. sending out what it is is asparagus grows by underground root systems, and the ones that yeah. are really small are the ones, the newest growth off the, you know, off the root system as it expands. So there's not really to have it all uniform there's not really too much you can do. If some of them are like as big as your thumb, I'd say maybe cut those out because they're really not going to be be kind of like chewing rope, you know, if you try to cook those. And so I would say get rid of those. But other than that, there's not too much you can do. Okay. I didn't figure there was anything. <laughs> and I enjoyed the freeze this morning. Oh, great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Because <laughs> I had to cover all them. For about an hour and a half, I had to cover fruit trees and everything else. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully it Welcome wasn't... to the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I see you live in Illinois. I don't know how far away from the metropolitan area, but I didn't, you know, as I drove into the radio station, I didn't see, you know, any damage to, like, tree flowers or anything. So here in the city, it really wasn't all that bad, even though there was frost on my windshield. Well, I don't think it... We're about 65 from there, south of Centralia, and uh, I don't think it was as bad as as they predicted it. Right. Yeah, they were saying, you know, below, I think 30 or 31 was a prediction, and I don't think it yeah. got that, you know, that cold. Well, I'm, uh, I'm just, I just re- reminded me of my dad covering after uh, five or six frost after the end of the tomato crop. <laughs> <laughs> Try to right. save until last minute. Right. Have that last. Thank you really... very much. Yep. Thanks, Bill. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey guys, Kevin Wheeler here. Join me weeknights at 6 o'clock for Sports Open Live. We'll cover everything from the Cardinals to the Blues to the local colleges, the national scene, you name it. We've got it covered and we'll have it for you here on Sports Open Live weeknights at 6 o'clock on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Yes, folks, we got the phone lines open and if you've planted pansies, uh, I fertilized mine for the first time the other day. And so consequently, the annual type things, the cool season annuals, giving that great color, certainly can use fertilizer. It does help. And same with your bulbs. So your a lot of your bulbs are way past the point of just, let's say, erupting up out of the ground. Many of them are already flowering. So it's, you know, it would have been best to flower or fertilize them a little bit earlier. But fertilizing them now will certainly be to the advantage. Certain varieties of the bulbs, like some of the tulips, uh, you're only going to get a couple years out of them anyway. But it doesn't hurt to fertilize them because it's just going to keep them as vigorous as they possibly can be this year and then for next year. So um, fertilizing is really pretty darn important. So let's head over to uh, Vicky's yard. Hi, Vicky. Hi. Hi. Hi, Mike. A couple things. Uh, I have a uh, Wichita blue juniper, I think it's called. It's about four feet tall. I put it in eh, roughly about two years ago. Um, and it's in a kind of like a short bed. And I've noticed like a third of it is, is drying out. Ooh. Like the stems are just dead. And I'm like, oh, boy, is this, does this mean the whole uh, plant is going to die or do I cut those off, or well, I, what do I do? <laughs> let's, let's say the part that's turning brown or dying, are, is that next to your house or something? No, it's in the backyard, but it's not next to my house. So, no. I mean, it's not next to a tree? There's nothing causing shade on that side of it? It, it does face the north side, and it's by a fence. Right. But it's like a you know an iron rod fence, so... I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. My, you know, it's not a good sign if you, anytime uh, something that young, maybe when you put it in the ground, maybe you plant it a little bit too deep and there's been too much moisture that's sort of gathered uh, around at the base. Okay. 
Okay. That would be my, you know, probably my guess as much as anything. But usually okay. once they start turning brown, if it's not related to the, a shade factor, then it's kind of heading downhill slowly but surely. That's okay. not to say it will be guaranteed that it's going downhill, but it's just not a good sign. It's not a good sign. So do they prefer uh, a dry, more dry? More dry, all okay. sun, all day long, everything is the best thing. But to, um, yeah, it doesn't uh, have to be dry, like desert dry, but they don't want to be really, you know, initially when so, you plant something for the first season, you're going to make sure that it has adequate water and things like that. But beyond yeah. that, beyond the first year, the amount of rainfall we get here is going to be just right. Uh, probably, okay. And if you've got it planted where water kind of settles around it, then that's not a good sign. Uh, that, well, it, it does somewhat. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's what the problem is. Oh, goodness. Okay. And, and one, one more question. Uh, last fall, I looked in my backyard one, one morning, and it looked like something took a razor blade. It was the whole, not the whole yard, but quite a bit. And the sod was just pulled up, just like someone cut it. Could that be a raccoon or a possum? What could that be? And it, it's just like they took a, you know, chunks and just pulled it all the way up. Yeah, a lot of times it can be some kind of wildlife, and they're rutting looking for insects. Uh, for grubs? Are they looking for grubs? Right. And, well, not just grubs, but anything, you know, like that. So Okay. All right. Well, let's <laughs> just plant more grass seed, I guess. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. I enjoy your show. Well, thanks. And now let's head over to Frank's yard. Hi, Frank. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, you were talking, you just got your pansies in, and that's kind of coincidental. Uh, that's my question. I'm, I'm getting some mixed information. I have a fairly large uh, circle that I'm making around this tree, and uh, the spacing of the pansies. Now, the farm and nursery said five inches apart. Uh, some other information says, no, they should be at least seven to eight inches apart to give it air movement and flow. They said they'll get as much as eight inches wide and eight inches tall. But I want this to look like a nice thick ring as opposed to, you know, a plant here and a plant there. Right. Uh what what's your advice on that, Mike? As far as spacing goes. Well, basically, I you know I've had my pansies for you know almost five or six weeks, so this was just the first time I fertilized. But I you know I have most of them are in containers or in pots or window boxes or things like that, and I pack them in. To be honest, and I've yeah. never seen pansies here that are going to get six or eight inches high and six or eight inches wide. Now there are some. But for the most part, that's not going to be the case, and especially if they're growing close to a tree because that situation, again, with the tree and everything else and, the, you know, the trunk and all that is going to make it a little difficult for the pansies to get themselves established. So I'd pack them in there really tight if you, and just understand that they're not going to necessarily be going too much further than uh, mid to late May. Once it starts really warming up, then they're going to go downhill pretty quick. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah, the the circle I'm doing is around a tree, but it's quite a large circle. Okay. It's really, okay. it's almost at the drip line of the tree. Oh, way and, out there. Okay. 
Yeah, so with that thought in mind, uh, I've got over 250 of them, and I haven't put them in yet. At, I was going to do it last week. It was just too damp and nasty, and I didn't want to mess <laughs> it. You know? But they do need a, uh, a moist soil, but they definitely can't have any water standing around. Yeah, there. you're absolutely right. And probably when you put them in, don't put them in a, a concentric circle. Put them in a, you know, more or less a zigzag pattern. So I got you. That's going to uh, And I would two just. and then one in the, uh, in other words, kind of like a one, one above it, one below it. Exactly. One right. Yeah. Okay. And I, okay. you know, to me, if they're more than three or four inches apart, it's not going to create a nice, let's say, solid ring of color. Uh, that's great. That makes perfect sense to me. Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I've got a problem. Under my bird feeders, all the grass has died. I think it's from the birds just scratching around for the seed. And then when it rains, it gets real muddy under there. So I was thinking maybe just put some gravel under there or some mulch, or do you have any ideas? Now, either one of those two would work fine. So and maybe put an edger around it just to make it have a little bit more defined space or area. Okay. Yes, sure. I mean the seed landing down there, but also just the birds bouncing on the ground. You'd think they aren't very heavy, but they can compact the soil and make it very difficult for a lot of plant material to be able to you know get themselves established, especially like a lawn circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing: is there any way to keep grass out of my garden area every year? We we clean it out and we plant our tomatoes or whatever. And then over the course of the summer, the grass just invades. Well, not too much. If you've got a cool season lawn, I mean, that's, it grows with underground rhizomes. And if it's not a raised bed or if it doesn't have a physical barrier edging, then there's not too much that you can do. Oh, okay. Just get out there and yank it up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, it, you know, even though, you know, the cool season in theory should lawns, should be less aggressive during the summertime because of the heat, they're still going to send rhizomes up and, you know, pop up in various places. If you have zoysia, for sure, it's going to be very aggressive to get into, you know, garden spaces. Yeah, we have zoysia, okay. so. So, yeah, you've got uh, a really tough situation. And I have steel edger around some of my bed spaces, and I have zoysia, too. And even the zoysia will hit the steel edger and then go down underneath it because it's only six inches deep, the steel, and then come up on the other side. So it's some pretty tough stuff. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, this show rocks. This show is dirty. <laughs> Let's head over to Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, I wanted to um, refer back to a call you received last week. I think it was last week about a lady that had that... Um, Robin that was driving her crazy pecking on her window. Right. And I wanted to share an experience with uh, my fellow gardeners and you. Uh, For several years, there's been a Robin's Nest built 
under the eaves of our house, and it was no big deal. Uh, we just left it, and every year, Mr. Robin would come and refurbish it, bring Mrs. Robin, have their babies, and off they'd go. So, for whatever reason, this year, my husband decided that he didn't like it there and Ooh. tore it down. Well, here comes the strange part. Mr. Robin obviously watched him from afar, and that afternoon, uh, we were my husband and I were in the garage, and the door was up, and my husband's truck was parked in the driveway. Well, here come Mr. Robin. And true story, he, Mr. Robin made eye contact with my husband, jumped on his mirror on the truck and started pecking on it. <laughs> and he would peck. And true story. He would peck on the mirror and then look into the garage, make eye contact again, and go back and start pecking on the mirror. So once we noticed what was happening, of course, it was hilarious, and we thought it was just coincidental. But there was something in that Robin's eye that knew that my husband had torn his mask down. It was just to say, okay, dude, I saw you do it. I know you did it. And this is payback. Well, that's so, a great story. I mean, story. it was just hilarious, for one thing, but it was just ironic that he literally made eye contact. So he did that for, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes, and he would stop look in the garage again, and then his parting shot was he pecked a few more moments on the mirror and then pooped on the cross and thought, okay, dude, this is my parting shot for you. Don't tear that <laughs> nest down again. So uh, heads up. All my, all it was hilarious. All my great. listeners, your listeners out there, please, heads up and be cautious if you tear down a nest and know that there's retribution from a robin. They're not as cute <laughs> as they look. Uh, well, that's great. Thanks for the story. All right, Mike. Have a good day. Sure. Yeah, we have a pair of doves that uh, have been making at underneath our eave and part of the gutter that's underneath the eave uh, a nest there for the last couple of years, and they're back again this year. So, uh, you know, birds are really pretty interesting. Hi, Patty. How are you today? Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. So I, a couple of years ago, about three years ago, I transplanted some peonies. Now, they were always blooming before I transplanted them. Since I transplanted them, they quit blooming. And I'm wondering if I planted them too deep, and if I did, can I dig them up and pull them up a little bit? Yeah, you may have planted them too deep, but also transplanting peonies, that throws a flowering cycle. Even if you're still seeing the same amount of foliage and everything else, it throws a flowering cycle off. And so it may be another year or two before you start to see the flowering. But definitely if you planted them too deep, because you only want those eyes about an inch below the surface. So in other words, where the foliage is, and then obviously that's where the, the flower is going to be coming out of, you know, out of that situation. But it could be either one of those two things. So, I, yeah, I've been waiting three years, so I thought, oh, no, maybe I have to wait a couple more years. So if I pull them up, Am I going to be waiting another three to five years again? Yes, you would, because you're disrupting yeah. the root system again. So, yeah. Oh, darn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I'm going to try and pull them up a little bit, but thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Good luck with that. And now let's head over to Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have got a uh, 30 by 30 vegetable garden. Uh and I had soil samples pulled on this thing last year. And what the deal is, 
my tomato plants die from the bottom up and my cucumber plants get brown spots on the leaves and just starts dying from the bottom up. The pH on the samples is a 7.3 and a 7.4. And I've got a phosphorus is 553 and a potassium is 4.38. And I'm just wondering what I can do about that. Uh, you know, not too much. I mean, to get to with the other with the phosphorus and potassium, you just got to start stop using the fertilizer that has those last two numbers. So even though you think your plants need that, you've got extravagant levels in the soil already, so you're just making things worse. I see. And as far as the pH goes, uh, pH is a little bit of a problem, but I don't think it's nearly the problem that the nutrients are. Okay. So hold off on the triple 12 for a few years. Yeah, exactly, because triple 12, I mean, it's developed for agricultural circumstances, but, uh, you know, go with like a 10-0-0 or a 10-5-5 or, you know, those last two nutrients, that level's got to be as low as you can possibly find. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you for your services on our show. Sure. My pleasure. And I don't, Marcia, can you, or Marcia, can you do it real quick? Guess not. So anyway, this is a time of year when we start putting things out. And uh, here are some of the plants that are least appealing to deer. And that doesn't, you know, severe winter, no plant is safe. But just realize that there are certain plants that deer avoid from rubbing or from chewing on or from causing problems. And from a perennial standpoint, they don't like sedums. They don't like vinca minors. They don't like uh, plumbagos. They don't like the creeping flocks, columbine, coreopsis, primrose, or penicetum, uh, purple coneflowers. They don't like those. They don't like ferns. They don't like some of the herbs, like thymes and things along that line. So if you're putting things out and you've had problems with deer in the past munching on your herbaceous perennials, Simus uh, fuga, Ansomia, Helleborus, those are some of the other ones that they don't like. They don't like uh, Lily of the Valley. So these are things that, uh, you know, you can put in there and expect, if it, again, a severe winter, they're going to go after anything that's, you know, there. So in the winter, the, some of these things are evergreen, and they're going to be, you know, inducing uh, or an invitation to uh, the deer to have, uh, a, let's say, something to eat because they're desperate. Some of the bulbs they don't like, they don't like lacorus, they don't like alliums, they don't like crocus, glory of snow, snowdrops, and things along that line. So uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, at your service, 
Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, and it is a garden tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Mr. Kelly, before you head back into the newsroom, yes, how's your landscape looking? It's getting there. Uh, I'm thinking I might have to mow pretty soon. Uh, but uh, you know the crocus I showed you last week? There's right. another one right next to it that came up. So those are pretty and pink and really looking nice in the front yard. Right. And in the back, we're just seeing some growth here and there. And uh, we did plant some lettuce and beets. And what else was there? Something Seed else. or plants? We planted plants. Oh, yes. plants, plants. Oh, kale. Oh, kale. And they seem to be doing okay. Now, I haven't checked them this morning to see how they did overnight, but... Uh, it wasn't cold enough to hurt them. Yeah, they should be fine. Right. So, yeah, we're getting there. All right. Sounds perfect. And the, and the finches are gold now. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're getting a lot of the gold finches. Well, I, th- I throw uh, Niger seed on my sidewalk, mm-hmm. and I'm not seeing the gold on the finches yet. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they so, turned in the last week or so. A lot really? of them did, yeah. Wow. And so, they're really pretty now. Yeah, great. Yeah, so... Sounds perfect. Looking good. Thanks to you. (laughs) Oh, folks, and by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all around. For the annuals that you have, maybe annuals you're thinking about getting, how about the bulbs, how to take care of those uh, spring flowering daffodils, tulips, crocus, grape hyacinths, hyacinths. When Trace and I were out the other day, we got some cut flower hyacinths, and we have them in vases in our kitchen window. And the fragrance is just so nice. It's great. It's, you know, a little bit more, you know, not too intense, not horrible by any means. But the hyacinths outside, you have to have a lot of them to be able to get sort of the aroma from the plants. But uh, uh, we've got six of them in this vase. And uh, it's just so nice when you're standing there at the kitchen, at the sink. Oh, you can just smell that. But how about your houseplants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens? I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take to success, but strictly offer for you to consider. Across the big board, there's James. He's producing. He answers the phone, pushes all the buttons, and all that other stuff. During the week and weekends, I do landscape walking and consultations, which I call a walk and talk today. After the show, I'm headed to University City, where I share a 40-plus years of experience in the outdoors in relationship to your landscape. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to two great plant sale events that are returning and both are for not-for-profit organizations and both of them are actually in webster groves the webster groves herb society they have their annual spring herb sale that's going to be april 30th which is a saturday 8 30 to 12. it's going to be at the first congressional church of webster groves at the corner of lockwood and elm and webster now they will not take cash they'll take Credit, debit, and checks only. Cash is just a little bit too screwy. <laughs> yeah, it's too difficult to f- fool around with, I guess. But the, you can get more information with the WGHERBS.org. And your one-stop place to do your herb shopping. And this organizer is just uh, the sale 
Uh, this is their main fundraiser. And another one is in Webster Groves, too. It's the following Saturday, which is May 7th. This is the Webster Groves Women's Garden Association. And it's a homegrown plant sale. And that's also in the same location. It's 830 to 12, the First Congressional Church at Lockwood and Elm on the parking lot. And what this is is homegrown plants that are dug from members' yards and planted in containers. And there will be some native plants available as well. So grown right there in Webster, put into pots by people that are women's Garden Club Association or Women's Garden Association of Webster Groves. And again, this sale is the organization's main fundraiser. So it's two huge major plant sales in Webster Groves, one April 30th and the other one May 7th. So why not go and just enjoy being around all these people that are really into the plant material and help out these not-for-profit organizations? So tip of the trial goes out to, again, the Webster Groves Herb Society and the Webster Groves Women's Garden Association. And let's, why don't we take a call before we take a break? Let's go over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, for, medical, for medical reasons, I had to sell my house and my garden and my patio, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I've got a couple questions for you. I have a concrete patio, uh, and it's 6 foot by 11 foot. I want to plant... Uh, three, four pots out there. So I have a couple of questions on buying pots. Now, what is a good size? And I, they'll have to stay out year round. So can you help me with that? Sure. Uh, it's really a size. I'm assuming that you're going to grow, you know, quite a few things in them. I would say, you know, at least 15 to 18 inches minimum, as far as a diameter, the bigger, the better. Let's put it that way. Okay. And uh, um, you can go with, you know, I mean, t- the, the original terracotta. If you want to do that, that's fine. Will they last during the winter, though? Yes, they should. I mean, the high quality, and then you can get some of this high-gloss ceramic ones that you see now. Some, A lot of them are in the blues and things like that. I see them all over the place where people leave them sitting out. And I have some that are sitting out in my yard, too, that stay out year-round. Okay. Then number two, um, the plants, I, I uh, want something that blooms year-round uh, year during the season, and it gets full sun in the afternoon, so I guess I'm facing west. Right. Uh, any idea on, like, uh, something uh, that would be low-maintenance, we'll put it that way? Right. Uh, basically, I mean, what I grow in mine— in the fall, I put bulbs in. So I have daffodils and tulips coming up in my pots. And then I put pansies in there, too. And then for summertime, I add sweet alyssum. So because, I mean, it creates, a, you know, like a nice white carpet on the surface of the pot. But then I grow various things depending upon the season. And uh, what you can do is, I mean, if you want to grow some of the more exotic type cannas with like the yellow foliage, you could do something like that. Some angel wing or devil devil wing begonias, they bloom for extended periods of time. So, I mean, you've got the choice is going to be dramatically number wise. 
Okay, because I'm I have to pay somebody to do all this now. Right. I can't do any of it. So that's why I said low maintenance. Now the soil that I put in these pots, um, do I do I do the potting mix? Uh, what would you recommend? Yeah, the potting mix for sure. The bottom, let's say, depending upon the size of the pot, but the bottom several inches. First of all, get a saucer to set the pots in. Right. And then what you want to do is the bottom, let's say, two or three inches of the pot should be pea gravel or something like that to ensure there, there's always going to be drainage. And then backfill with potting mix, not potting soil. Okay. Um, and I had had some luck, like with the uh, New Guinea Impatience for Full Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that kind of, do they do well in, in those kind of potting things? I, I had them in the ground always before. Right. They should be fine. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I appreciate your help. Sure. My pleasure. And good luck. And now let's go. Well, why don't we take a break? Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have questions or concerns or comments, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or one 800 925 1120. News, talk, sports. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, we got phone lines open 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. Let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, by the way, my mother-in-law is involved in that women's organization that does the plant stuff. And we just, every year, we just dig up, like, separate some hostas and stuff like that and other plants that multiply on us. And we just, like, put them in a bag, and then the women put them in pots and stuff and sell them. So it's really pretty easy to do. Anybody that wants to contribute to that. Oh, really? Great. Yeah. But my question is, uh, like a year ago, probably, somebody had brought this question up, and I didn't have a chance to write it down. But I have uh, a... a a fescue lawn, a nice fescue lawn. And on both sides of me, we live in a subdivision. My neighbors have uh, started putting in like plugs and patches of zoysia. They like zoysia. I'm not a big fan of zoysia because I like a green lawn as long as I can keep it. And some, you had said something or, or they had said something about there's some kind of, there's something you can put down to control that from getting into your lawn is bad. Do you remember that or do you? Do you know what that was? No, to be honest with you, I wouldn't, you know, if I said something, I can't imagine what it would be that you could control the zoysia, preventing it from, you know, kind of creeping. But uh, so I wish I could remember it if I did say something, but uh, no, I can't. Okay. <laughs> I guess that was very <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> there's nothing that's really going to be consistent that's, you know, going to be all that effective, I wouldn't think. So there's nothing I can do. I'm just... I'm at their mercy, huh? Right, pretty much. I mean, as much as horrible as that sounds, I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Okay. All right. Sorry. That's all right, buddy. You have a good weekend. Sure. Thanks. Uh, If anybody else can remember what I said, you know, I can't, uh, you know, I don't know how I remember that. I'm just getting old, I guess. But anyway, let's go over to Tom's yard now. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. Do you wear your shorts? Oh, absolutely. Year-round. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I have a few questions for you. Um, number one, um, I'm re-landscaping the front of my house, and uh, uh, 
with that freeze yesterday, I was hoping this weekend to be able to uh, transplant some uh, hydrangeas and hostas and some fall cypress bushes. Is it too cold? Was it too cold, soil too cold to do that? No, no, you should be fine. But just remember, if they've already started to push out some uh, growth, uh, that's... I mean, it's going to, you know, cause some damage to potentially the damage is not related to the coal. It's just they're not going to be able to. I mean, they've wasted a lot of energy and they're not going to have the energy to support the growth that's already being pushed out. So that's where the trouble comes in. Okay. Um, so uh, roses, if I go buy some roses from a nursery or something, that's cool to put those in now. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not tearing up the root system like you're talking about transplanting. That's what, you know, the, the damage comes from digging it up. But, you know, okay. plant material coming out of pots, they're fine. Okay. Um, the other question that I have is, is I have a scale on my Pachysandra, and, um, I had a guy come out and treat it last fall, but it's an infestation of, I mean, it's all over it, and I have a lot of it. And so I went out and bought a, uh, a, a broadleaf control uh, called Xylam, Z-Y-L-A-M, liquid. Would this take care of the scale? Scale, we're talking about the insect? Yeah, yeah it's a little white. Uh, specs is what they look like to me. Right. Uh, usually, Pakistan. Yeah, Pakistan. It's surprising to say, you know, they hear Pakistan has it. No, you need to do something like it's a little bit late now, but uh, getting go and get a summer weight horticultural oil and spray that onto your Pakistandra. So that suffocates the scale. If he put something on there that sounded like an herbicide, that's not going to help whatsoever. Well, I don't, I don't know what, what he put on okay. last year. I just was going to uh, to to grab, you know, w- what I have here, and I didn't know if that would work. No, I would um, use, I would go get a summer weight horticultural oil and, you know, spray it onto the areas where the, uh, the, you know, the scale is. Now, the scale could still adhere even though it's dead. What this oil does is suffocate it, suffocate the uh, scale without damaging the plant. But also read that label to make sure that it's, you know, safe to use on Pachysandra. Okay. Um, well, could it be a white fly? Well, if, they, if they're not moving around, I mean, scale doesn't move once it's, you know, stuck someplace. Like I say, I've never really heard of scale on Pachysandra before. I mean, it could be white fly for sure. Well, maybe it's a white fly. Um, he, he's he spread it, but what would you use for a white fly? I would just use, uh, you know, and then basically all insecticides for the most part have to come in contact with the insect unless you get a systemic. But for the most part, just regular insecticides. If you see the white, you know, the white fly, then just spray it where the white fly have landed, and that's the best way to kill them. And they, and they can spread pretty fast? Yeah, they can, but again, I'm usually Pachysandra is pretty, you know, bug free, you know, regardless of the type. So I'm really surprised that they, you know, you're having that kind of problem. Oh yeah, and it's it's, it's being eaten. Uh, my Pachysandra is. So um, I think maybe a a company that um, that was doing my irrigation, they were replacing some uh, some heads, and I I was wondering if they could have had it on their shoe or something because it, it started right in those spots. Yeah, I, 
you know, again, it's just it doesn't seem like, you know, this is something that normally Pachysandra would have any kind of early insect. That's one of the sort of the highlights of this particular ground cover. Okay. Yeah. I never had any problems with it. It's about 12 years old. Yeah. I never had any problems. And now it's, it's everywhere. And I mean, basically a white fly or scale or anything is not going to chew that you're going to actually see the physical damage as a result of that. Well, what do you think it could be then? If it's not white fly or scale, what could be another option? You know, it's a little, yeah, it's, I would say go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot.org, and see what they say about the Pachysandra. But I just don't, you know, it just doesn't ring a bell with me. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, listen, I really appreciate it and love your show and a fun time of the year right now. Everything's coming up. Yeah, you aren't kidding. And good luck with getting that, you know, whatever the, you know, the situation is, it's that's causing you problems because, like I say, Pachysandra is pretty tough and durable. So anyway, good luck with that, Tom. If I find out, I'll let you guys know what it is. Other people may have it, too. All right, great. Thanks. See ya. See you, Mike. Bye-bye. And let's go from Tom's over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hey, Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Hey, I've been able to have the fortunate ability to grow a lot of sedge grass and some raised garden beds over the last two years. Do you have any recommendations of the best way to get rid of that? <laughs> uh, there's actually, a, you know, get the, get an herbicide for killing nut sedge. So that's an unfortunate that- thing. I mean, and it's going to, if you've got a well-established colony of it, it's going to take a couple years to finally get rid of all of it. And so then don't plant in there for those, that time period? Well, you can plant. It's just realize that the, the nutsedge killer will, really won't damage. Just read the label as far as temperature-wise and everything else. Read the label and don't spray if it's too hot or it's too this or too that. But it only goes after the nutsedge. It doesn't do damage to other plant material. Okay, but then it would be safe to eat the vegetables coming out of that garden still. Sure, yes. Okay, all right, perfect. That's better than the option I was thinking, which was completely dig them out to try to get rid of the root oh, systems. I mean, that could be forever and ever and ever. Now, you can do that if you want to. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's all I need. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. This afternoon, it's the Cards and Pirates. Hear it here. Ameren Pregame Show 1220. First pitch 115 on KMOX and streaming on KMOX.com. Yes, folks, spring means lots of different things going on. It also means the daffodils are up and actually flowering. I've seen several yards with daffodils. No, not daffodils. What are you talking about? It's dandelions. Talking about dandelion. And in lawn, garden, roadsides, all over the place. And uh, some people think, oh, those dandelions are driving me nuts. While others relish the thought of collecting those greens for a meal or picking the flowers for a batch of dandelion wine. (laughs) Which I can't possibly imagine. But uh, either way, a dandelion is an interesting and a tenacious perennial plant. So... Dandelions are just a little bit tra- crazy, wild, and everything else. But I have to admit that I've had salads with dandelion leaves in them, or foliage, I should say. Let's head over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. 
Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm wanting to get your recommendation for a uh, a petite uh, tree or a dwarf tree. We we have um, when we bought our house. We had a uh, a river birch that was up on the front uh, kind of front corner of the house, uh, part of a part of the landscaping, kind of off to the side, and it just got to be out of control. We have a two story house, and it was well over our house, and um, the roots started going up. So, anyways, I we we. We dug it out. We had it taken out. Um, it was January, so now we have a spot that we'd like to fill, and we we'd like to rather like put rather than putting like an evergreen or something, we'd like to put a, a dwarf tree in there, something that wouldn't get too big, maybe something in flowers. Um, just wanted some recommendations, if you don't mind. Um, there's a couple different options. You want something that flowers in the springtime, something that flowers in the summer. Well, you know, I guess I'm just assuming it would be the spring, but if there's a summer option, that might be intriguing too. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a a variety of magnolia that uh, flowers in the summertime, sweet bay magnolia. So that flowers with kind of the classic magnolia flowers, and mm. uh, in the summertime, or you can use a star magnolia, which is the one that blooms in the spring. Or these probably both these type trees, you know, you're probably looking at maybe. T- 15 to 20 feet, you know, high with each one of them. If you want something that's, uh, again, another spring flowering smaller tree would be the service berry versus the dogwood. That would be, you know, something to consider. Okay. Very good. We'll have a look. All right. Great. Good luck Appreciate with that. Appreciate the help, Mike. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go over to AJ's yard. Hi, AJ. Hi, Mike. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Hey, we got, uh, in our landscaping rocks, we have, there's a little bit of clover growing, but there's also some other stuff that looks like clover, but when the stems get long on it, then there's a little purple flower coming out of it. Our neighbor thinks it's purple henbit. Is there any stuff I can use to spray on that and kill that without killing all the other plants that are in the landscaping? Um, Basically, for the most part, if it is henbit, henbit doesn't look like clover. It doesn't have a clover-shaped leaf. So okay, this must be something else. Yeah. So probably there's nothing that you're going to be able to, you know, if it was henbit, then you, I would say use a pre-emergent that you'd be applying, you know, in the, let's say, August, as opposed to trying to get it under control now. Now there's not too much you can do as far as, you know, spraying overall without impacting other plant material that are, unless you have like a grassy type, you know, in a lawn situation, a broadleaf weed killer would kill it, but if it's a, if it is an annual cool season weed, then it's going to get rid of it, but it's still dropped a bunch of seed, and it's going to be coming back next year, and that's, again, going back to the pre-emergent type circumstance. But what I'd do is yep. I'd, I'd go to your favorite garden center and take some there and find out exactly what it is before you try to take action. Okay. Well, yeah, one guy told me to use 2,4-D on it, and he said use a uh, – sponge brush and paint it on there so you don't spray it on the other plants yeah you 24d is fine but any of the herbicides a lot of people i always tell people that they can you know paint the herbicides right on to avoid you know any kind of drift or anything on the other other plants that are desirable so yeah certainly you could do that approach okay thank you very much sure my pleasure and now let's go to gary's yard hi gary gary are you there Hello, Gary. I guess Gary's. Not, guess Gary's not there. Oh, Gary, are you there? Nope. Let's go over to Eve's yard. Hi, Eve. 
Hi. Hi. Um, I want to plant sweet basil seed, rosemary, and whatever. Is it too early to plant it in a regular pot? Uh, or, or what kind of soil should we use, potting mix or what? Yeah, use potting mix because, I mean, all these herbs need a really well-drained soil. But no, it's not too early. I mean, if you did it too much later, it was still the seed could germinate. But you want to get it, you know, get it going as as soon as you possibly can. So I would say, if you've got the seed, get the potting mix and get them in, you know, get them into a pot, and you know, kind of go with that. If you decide you don't want to fool around with the seed, you just want to get. I mean, you can get plenty of the plants like that. I was talking about that Webster Groves Herb Society has a sale coming up, you know, right. later this month. Okay, and then one other question. What would be just a normal flower for hummingbirds? Would you know? Because they got all these fancy flowers that sometimes the nurseries don't have. Is there a more of a common plant that would be good for the hummingbirds and bees? Uh, basically, I mean, there's a huge amount, huge numbers. But uh, anything, I mean, you could get something if you want to have something that's easy to grow, like the cannas, C-A-N-N-A, they grow okay. with a stalk, and then you get the red-flowered ones. Those are very attractive to the hummingbirds for sure. Okay. Or if you want a perennial-type vine, the red trumpet honeysuckle is very attractive to the hummingbirds too. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure. And now let's head over to Rusty's yard. Hi, Rusty. Hey, Mike. Hey, we have a slope along our driveway that's too steep to mow. It's somewhere in the range of a one-and-a-half to two-to-one. It faces south southeast it gets half sun or perhaps a little less um, we've tried various seedings for a couple years but they're progressing slowly now we're thinking about a juniper in in particular juniper hoar wiltoni what do you think of that uh, it's going to be flat it's going to you know i don't know junipers are always going to do better if there are more sun they get but anything you put in is going to take a while to cover this whole thing. Yeah. So maybe in a combination with the sedum or something along that line, that might be the best way okay. to go. The, the, this juniper, it's described as, you know, it, it gets about six inches tall, I believe, and six to eight feet spread for each one. Right. And, so, and that's going that's, to take about 10 or 15 years to get that big. Okay. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's not going to happen in just in a few years. If you buy it in a one-gallon pot or even a five-gallon pot, you're gonna it's still going to be multiple years before it's going to get to be mature size. All right. So even that, and I know that it's described as liking full sun. So like I said, it gets about half sun. Yeah. So but, then it's going to that's going to slow the whole process down even more. Okay. Well, any suggestion of something that might be more suitable. Uh, maybe look at the uh, periwinkle, Vinca minor, V-I-N-C-A, and then M-I-N-O-R, or periwinkle. It's blue flowering. It blooms this time of year. It's a, you know, pretty, you know, it's a ground cover. You're going to buy it in flats, like 36 per flat. And if you want this to fill in quickly, I'd probably, you know, 36 per flat, each one of these little squares that you're going to pull out of the you know the, the flat or the container or the cell pack, uh, I'd probably put them about uh, two or three inches apart. 
Okay, well, that's probably a good choice because it's on the opposite side of the driveway and it's doing great. All right. Well, hey, thanks for your time. Sure, my pleasure. Well, I'm glad, uh, you know, that would be a good combination then. And now let's go to Zach's. Hi, Zach. How's it going, Mike? Good morning. How are you? Hi. So uh, moved to Winsville about five years ago. Uh, it's a new construction home. Um, in my front yard, um, the the builder put in a sycamore tree. Uh, my neighbors have got tulip poplars. Uh, my question is, um, is that it? Just it's it's about thirty five to forty foot tall already. Um, probably twice as tall as my neighbors. Um, I guess my question is, is that going to be a problem going forward? Should I maybe get rid of that now and plant something different? I mean, I only have a quarter acre lot, a small, small front yard, um, and a sycamore just seems like an odd tree to put in for a new, a new construction home. Yeah, I completely agree, and especially if it got that big that quick. Usually a new well, construction. It, right. The first couple of years, I'm sorry to interrupt, the first couple of years I did put in some, um, some, uh, some stakes um, as far as, um, to make it grow larger, uh, uh, fertilizer stakes, not knowing that it would get that big that fast. So, right. Um, that seems un- unbelievable. I mean, they get huge, and, I mean, yeah, for a yard that size, I would have probably gone with something, you know, like a flowering crab apple or a dogwood tree or something that's going to be a little bit more aesthetic and not get so massive. Yeah, that was my thought. So I thought— um, I guess, in your opinion, would you just kind of just, just get rid of that completely and, and start over fresh again with something different? But, yeah, if you do that, now realize that you've heard me talk so much about this. Trees taken out, stump ground out, and everything else, it's going to be really difficult for anything else to be able to get itself established with the competition of the existing root systems. Hmm. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I've never heard of a builder put a sycamore in. That just doesn't seem. Yeah, that seems. It, it's it, the only. It's the only one on the block, and I and I and I thought myself, man, it seems like an odd, uh, odd tree to go with. Um, and it, again, it's it's pretty much taken over the front yard in, in, in five years we've been there. So right, and um, then you're never going to have lawn underneath it for sure. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I listen. I appreciate it, and it sounds like I got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't kidding. And you got to have some patience, too, because taking this out and then getting something established, hopefully you're going to stay in the house for multiple more years. Correct. Correct. All right. Okay, well, Mike. Well, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones, and let's head over to Jeff's yard. Hi, Jeff. Uh, good morning, Mike. Hi. I had a couple questions. Sure. Uh, first of all, I was I was wondering what I could put underneath a pin oak that's probably about 35, 40 feet tall, has a pretty wide span for a ground cover that gets partial sun in the morning and mainly shade in the evening. Uh, Something got- that a yeah, you've got a couple different options or choices. If you want to go with a classic evergreen ground cover like an ivy, there's Baltic, English, Bulgarian-type ivy. Now, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be invasive or aggressive. Uh, as I was talking to the other gen- uh, gentleman about it, on a slope, there's Vinca, V-I-N-C-A, Vinca Minor. They, they both do very well in a shade in the circumstance and, and with close proximity to the tree. So I'd probably choose one of those two. 
Okay. And then when I do this, could I, would I have to like raise it up because the roots like add some compost so that it's not competing as much with the root system from the tree or? Well, up that, that close to the trunk where you're going to be planting this, the root system, it's just, you're going to have to like not plan on, you know, installing the plant material three or four or five inches apart. You're going to have to probe around and plant it where there's no wood right underneath that. So it's not going to be a real easy process. I probably wouldn't put any, you know, within the first, uh, let's say, six or eight inches up next to the trunk because it's going to be too tight and too woody in that circumstance. And then just, okay. you know, push it out and let it, cr- you know, crawl back towards the trunk. Okay. Well, if you use the ivy, would that be something that would be invasive, like it climb up the tree then? It certainly could, but uh, it doesn't really hurt the tree. But, yeah, it can climb the tree. The vinca miner won't climb. Okay. And then one more quick question. Um, probably four weeks ago I put a pre-emergent down, and I want to go back and possibly core aerate and put some um, compost in. Is that possible, or will that take the effect of all the pre-emergent away? Uh, you know, it couldn't really uh, – I mean, pre-emergent basically creates a chemical barrier – that's solid. So if you start breaking that up with a core aeration or something like that, it could enable the weed seed that hasn't been, you know, that hasn't germinated yet. So pre-emergence only kill plants as they germinate. So if it's just a seed laying there, it won't kill it. But once it germinates, so but once you break the barrier, then you're offering the opportunity for the weed seeds to come up in the, you know, in that situation. Oh, so maybe later in the spring or yeah. early summer? That's probably summer. what I, yeah. And uh, what kind of lawn do you have? Well, uh, it's half zoysia and half uh, regular bluegrass. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm switching it over to zoysia. It's just taking time. Sure. So. Um, yeah, I just, be? yeah, maybe next year. I don't know if you've had, if you needed the pre-emergent or not. But maybe in the future, with the zoysia, basically the core aeration, you should, you know, it's just now starting to, you know, green up. So you could mm-hmm. probably, you know, I would go ahead maybe and do the core aeration since you want the zoysia to, you know, to, let's say, get sped up or, you know, give it a step yeah, or right. a boost. And then, mm-hmm. any, you know, and, and not worry about the pre-emergence. Okay. All right, then. And then just use a good compost from this compost. Right. Place and put it down. Exactly. Okay. Just spread it like a quarter inch or so. All right. Thank you for your time. Sure. My pleasure. Now let's head over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I could hear you last time and I kept answering. Nothing happened. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, last fall, I dug up my geraniums and bare rooted them down in the basement. Uh, uh, what's the procedure and when can I put it? stick them back in the ground and also when when is it okay to start putting like uh my uh dahlias in the ground and my uh cannas and and uh, elephant ears uh with the bulbs the dahlias and cannas and elephant ears you could do it now if you really want to or you can wait for another you know couple weeks and with the geranium it's the same sort of thing with the geraniums uh, just cut all the dead foliage off of them and uh just plant the stems Okay. Now, could I divide them any? Because you mentioned about it in a pot, and I said, no, these are too big. But I'd like to uh, 
maybe divide them and spread them out in, in a few areas. Are you talking about the geraniums or are you talking about cannas? Geraniums. geraniums. Okay. Uh, you shouldn't really need to divide them, I wouldn't think. Yeah. So, or what if I wanted to, though? Uh, you could give it a try, but just make sure that if you do divide it where you split them, that is kind of an open wound circumstance. If too much moisture gets in there, that could cause some uh, stem rot. Okay, I understand. All right, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Dave's. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mike. Good Hi. morning. Um, you had a caller on before. It's kind of about the same topic I want to talk about. Is under the uh, I've got grass um, under two sunset maple trees in my front yard, and I've got about a six-foot circumference around the trunk uh, with uh, landscape blocks and mulch. But And I planted my trees. I listened to you. You say, you know, about 20% above grade when you're putting in a new tree. So I'm wondering if that's, you know, because I have the root system is beyond the circumference of uh, the landscape blocks. And uh, I don't know what to do about that. Is it... I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to bring in some uh, backfill or some topsoil or whatever to cover up those roots. I'd like to keep the grass, though. And then secondly, I'm sure I could probably trim the lower branches uh, to let more uh, sunlight on those grassy areas. So I'm just I'm more concerned about the roots and what my options are. Yeah, to be honest with you, there's not too much you can do about the root system. They're going to be surface rooted. You're planting it, uh, you know, higher above the surrounding ground. That you know, the surface roots is just certain trees are a little bit more dramatic as far as the amount of surface roots they do. So there's not really too much you can do that's going to make any difference. Just to bring in something and pile it up on top of the roots, that's not going to help whatsoever. So you're just kind of stuck with what you have. Okay. All <laughs> Sorry. Right. Well, maybe I'll expand. Maybe I'll expand the circumference of the landscape area with more mulch or put some ivy down. Right. Um, that probably sounds you know a better approach than trying to grow lawn or grow lawn in that situation. But thanks, Dave, and thanks to everybody else. Uh, have a great sunny day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t